What's up, everyone, and welcome to Azizi Podcast. My next guest is Jay Chaudhry. Jay Chaudhry is a three-time award-winning producer and co-founder of Break Media. Enjoy the show. What's up, man? How's it going? What's going on, Aziz? How you doing? Samir. It's Samir Azizi. That's all right. That's all right. That's it. Let's, let's keep it in there. I like, I like this kind all of right. stuff. <laughs> Last name's Azizi, right? Yeah, Azizi. Samir Azizi. And you are on Azizi, Azizi Podcast. Azizi. If you want to call yes, me Aziz, sir. just call me Azizi. That's fine. Call me by my last That's name. Cool. That's cool. <laughs> First of all, it's so cool to be on your uh, podcast because little did I know that you're from Toronto and we're yeah. we both live in the same city. Where else in Toronto do you live? Well, I, I live in a place called Little Portugal. I don't want to really like disclose exactly where I live, but yeah, like in this in the Queen West area. So, so around right. here, and um, it's, it's a nice area. I'm originally from Kazakhstan and mm-hmm. uh, lived in California for the past nine years. Then went back to Kazakhstan, and then now I'm in Toronto, and I'm planning. Like basically, I'm, you know, I'm dropping an anchor here. I'm staying here for now, and uh, yeah, really enjoying it, you know. That's awesome, man. All things considered, you know, I don't want to dive in into quarantine thing, but like, yeah, I mean, right, right. Other, <laughs> other than that, everything is, is pretty awesome, and I love it. The area is uh, nice, the people are great, and uh, yeah, just loving it. What about you, man? Are you are you from Toronto originally, or what's, what's Yeah, I grew up, um, I grew up at Gene and Weston, um, grew up my whole life there, and then um, as of recent, um, because of work, I'm finding myself traveling uh, between Toronto, New York, Vegas, and LA. So nice. there's no real, real home for me now, but, um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, born and raised in Toronto, Jane Weston, um, shout out to Drake, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's and, the best um, shout out. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm just going to, I'm from Toronto yeah. shout out to Drake. <laughs> and, um, and I guess you could say I'm one of the few people from Toronto who's actually making some noise, uh, in the business that you and I, I are know. In. I know it's crazy okay. how like this city is, it's pumping with sports and franchises yeah. and all, but all of a sudden, like in the in the industry of combat sports, it's just so quiet, you know. And mm. and and then like in the industry of, you know, when I when I heard about your your company Break Media and that is in Toronto, I'm like, oh, like that's interesting, that's awesome, because like usually you'd be like in California, right, or, or, or like right. in New York or something like that. But right, the fact right, that you're right. here, and and the thing is, a lot of companies are coming here right now, a lot from mm. Americans, like uh, Silicon Valley companies, so they're all moving here uh, to Toronto, to Ontario. So mm-hmm. we're we're pretty much gonna expect some growth here for sure. No, you know what it is about Toronto. I think um, I mean ever since the beginning of time. So I went to college and I studied film and television. So my original career path wasn't in sports at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, just back then, I think Toronto was still called the Hollywood North of interesting. Um, you know North America because this is the city where productions and high end films and high end TV series at the time and still do are produced at high level. So I knew from a very, very young age that Toronto was a hot market for sports, for TV, for film, for entertainment. And it was all about finding that niche market as to where you fit in, uh, in that circle. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm noticing this right now. I didn't really know about Toronto International Film Festival, but all of a sudden I'm realizing, wow, that Toronto, like this festival is a huge thing. And, and once yeah. a year, the whole Hollywood is actually gathering in this particular mm-hmm. spot, which is, which is awesome. Which I'm, I'm assuming that kind of helped you out here as well in terms of your profession to be, to be in Toronto. Like, and I don't know, do you have any experience with the, with the filmmakers here in town? Yeah, of course, man. I grew up in the filmmaking scene. So like uh, my time during the filmmaking scene in Toronto was, um, wasn't short at all. Uh, we produced heavy, heavy amounts of short films to short form um, Hollywood type of drama series to, um, 
TV shows for network television. My father at the time, he owned one of Toronto's biggest or Canada's biggest South Asian uh, television programming. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, so we learned a lot just in the TV business growing up and understanding how audiences um, were being captivated at home. We learned a lot about advertisements in terms of how they were being placed. So just growing up in that circuit um, allowed me to have a better understanding as to what goes on today in today's audience consumption of TV ads, marketing data. Um, and um, yeah, it's been a huge influence for me growing up in the city, learning from the filmmakers that I did because all of us have in one way or another went on to achieve great things in our own respective industry. So it's been really, really cool uh, to see that. Did you always know that you're going to be in the industry? You're going to be in the, in the production, that Hollywood, that film industry yeah, because you were yeah. born into this no, family? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I nice. knew from, from day one that I wanted to be um, a filmmaker, producer. I just didn't know where it would take me now where, you know, I'm 33 now. Um, uh-huh. I wanted to be a filmmaker since I was like 16. I accomplished the goals there. Uh, I picked up a lot of awards for what I've done. Uh, and now I'm using my background in film and TV and integrating it with the current state of communication, which is social media, uh, data, and audience acquisition. Because I truly believe that with the right content, as long as it resonates with the fan or the viewer, they can convert to a sale. Um, it's the same method used in TV and advertising, except now we're working with um, shorter attention spans, for sure. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The audiences are way more um, interested in looking at for- short form content rather than long form. Mm-hmm. And it's just been really interesting to see, you know, the dynamic shift over time. For sure, man, for sure. And I'd love to talk more about that. Have you considered acting, by the way? You got that jawline going on for you. (laughs) No, no, no acting here, man. I think think I'm done with those days, dude. Oh, you tried it. (laughs) No, you know what? In high um, high school, college, of course, you know, um, I think every, every... guy like thinks so hot shit trying to go into modeling and acting i i, I give it a shot didn't work out <laughs> nice nice well i mean it's the effort man cool yeah. so okay so let's let's get to business here right enough with this you know pleasantries let's talk about it. <laughs> i saw you on um well first of all jason Tufexis, who was a guest on this on this particular show he he told me about you recently like a month ago He's like, this guy is the best, like talk to him. He's in your town. And I was really excited. And I was actually like thinking of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to you and we get, I'm going to, usually I invite everyone right here and we talk face to face, but you know, unfortunately we, we cannot do it. So, but whatever, we're going to work with what we have. And then, you know, I followed you on Twitter and I see more and more of your content and what you're putting out and the advice and, and, and all of a sudden I'm realizing, wow, like this guy is really is about sports marketing. That's exactly what I'm really interested in. And that's yes. exactly where I see that are like a lot of problems in combat sports in particular are well not problems but a lot of opportunity i would say in social media in content output in that investment in yourself in your brand for which you then get the returns afterwards right Mm -hmm. but people don't understand that and and i was talking to uh to my previous guest about that and and uh it's like who is who is there to tell that to a boxer to an mma fighter and I feel like yeah. not a lot of people talking about it. And then I see you and you're exactly preaching that. Like you're, you're preaching the content output. So I started researching you and, and, uh, and basically realized that you're, you're the guy, you're the man. So t- tell us about what you're doing right now. Yeah, so it started with the notion um, of athletes are not being marketed 
as the superstars that they are. That's how that notion started for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been into, obviously, sports. Um, I wouldn't say I was always an avid fan. I mean, I, I knew my shit when it came to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I knew my shit when it came to the NFL. I knew, but it was like short-circuit shit I knew of, um, just following the games. Mm-hmm. But when I really dug deep in terms of, like, why I was so passionate about these games, like, I'm not even an avid hardcore fan. You know, like, I had friends who could uh, list um, stats from NBA players from like going back to the eighties and nineties. Right, right. I couldn't do that. So I was like, well, what's, why, why do we share the same passion then? Why is it mm-hmm. that you and I can share the same passion mm-hmm. for a sport over an athlete when it sounds to me like, you know, way more than I do. Mm-hmm. And it came down to because I was acquired by that sport. I was acquired by the athlete. Um, what does that mean? Acquired? I'll tell you what that means. It means growing up. Um, I, I used to hear names like Michael Jordan. Wayne mm-hmm. Gretzky, Tiger mm-hmm. Woods, um, and I would throw fucking tantrums in the middle of, you know, Price Chopper or Nolfro's Isles for the new fucking Wayne Gretzky cereal mm-hmm. or for that new Michael Jordan product. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because I was acquired by the athlete. Now, how does an athlete acquire you? Well, it was through the art of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, the art of storytelling was in only three forms, right? We had TV, radio, and uh, newspapers and that was the only three mediums that we used to consume the content in and because there was only three at the time I think it was these stories were less accessible so mm-hmm. when we finally got a story of Michael Jordan's inner life or Wayne Gretzky's you know uh, let's take a look inside Wayne Gretzky's home and his family we actually used to absorb that data and over time we became accustomed to knowing that these were the all-time greats uh, and it was through content Right. We never called it content back then. We called it media. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, fast forward to today, I can now resonate with a certain NBA player, NHL player, NBA player, just because of those stories that I've been told and it's in my psyche. So mm-hmm. now when we're fast forwarding 2020, and mind you, I kind of like just got into boxing for the last seven, eight years or so. Mm-hmm. I started realizing that, yo, know, I remember these stories of Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Joe Lewis. I mean, my fucking dad used to tell me stories about Muhammad Ali. And right. I went into research and found out that these used to be sold out fucking stadiums, dude. We had 70,000 people, 100,000 people at these events, mm-hmm. um, for the major events at least. Um, and as I dug into the current state of boxing, I'm like, where, where's the disconnect? Why is it that boxing is moving backwards when it should be moving forward? Why is it that the likes of Dana White can just come in the middle of our fucking party and start excelling at the rate that he's going? And it's because he's doing it very well through story. Uh, none of our athletes are being portrayed the way that they're supposed to be. And when I started when I started looking into it, I realized it came down to these promoters, networks, and managers who aren't doing this job. I don't think there's a single manager, a single promoter, a single network doing what they're supposed to do outside the ring for our athletes to become mm-hmm. superstars for this youth because the youth are not watching um, boxing, Saturday Night Live boxing or Friday Night Live boxing as much as they used to. The viewership right. has gone down. And as much as these Twitter experts want to debate the numbers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can tell you for certain that those numbers are fabricated and they're just over-fucking-dramatic. So know? what should the promoters do? Do you think it's a promoter's job to, to, you know, to work on that? And, and if yes, then what exactly should be done? What is the... What is the action here if you are promoting a boxer? I mean, those are the conversations that I'm having right now. Um, mm-hmm. So um, I'll tell you as time goes on in terms of how well they kind of like pan out. But mm-hmm. being in the industry for the last two years, 24 months, it's taking me 24 months to get into the ears of these promoters. In the beginning, mm-hmm. they weren't listening. 
if you go back to some of my tweets from my earlier days when I started Break Media, um, I was shouting this from the mountaintops. Um, mm-hmm. I was one of the first people ever to introduce the idea of KSI Logan Paul becoming a big picture fight in boxing. No, really? Yeah, and I was actually, I'll say this publicly, I was actually the first person on the line with DAZN who told him about these two fighters. No uh, way, how that happened? And they're like, who the fuck are they? And I said, these guys are going to be your next fucking match from superstars. That's who they're going to be. Uh-huh. And, you know, they were giggling at first. This is two years ago. And I right. said, just keep, keep watching the space of YouTube. Uh-huh. Find out what's going on. And I'm guaranteeing you that Eddie Hearn's going to pick him up. And um, he did, obviously, eventually. It became uh-huh. one of the biggest lucrative fights for DAZN. Yeah, um, I feel like that's like the most successful return on investment that DAZN done in America. <laughs> right. And, and, I, and then I started... Um, I actually started like really getting frustrated because uh, they weren't following the blueprint that I was kind of putting out there for how to actually market that fight. Like they should have not only gotten Logan KSI as that main card, that's fine, but these other mm-hmm. cards that they had set up, mm-hmm. they should have cross promoted the YouTubers with the boxers in their own original content series. And they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's what, what, what would that look? What would that look like? I mean, you could feature, some of our like Virgil Ortiz in a vlog with Jake Paul. You could have done like a cross uh-huh. promo feature with a, um, you know what I mean? Like just YouTubers versus boxers. If you're going to bring the YouTube world to boxing, right? right. You're collaborate on the content. And they because can promote they bring the fans. They bring the eyeballs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And another thing is this, when the YouTubers are bringing their fans and they're bringing the eyeballs mm-hmm. to us, to mm-hmm. the zone, you got to have fucking content here, right? We had shit. We had nothing. And mm-hmm. This is why the Jake Paul fight subscribers left. This is why the Logan Paul fight subscribers left. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, what am I staying here for? You guys are not giving me shit. I'm out of here. Right. I've told this countless times to DAZN. I said, build, build original content. Our mm-hmm. fighters should have our own series on the platform. Chris Algieri should have his own cooking show every Thursday. Ryan Garcia should have his own show every Monday. And then, you know what? Um, I mean, this is why do you think, why do you think, cause I was thinking about that too. And I was like, well, why don't you just, you know, get the boxer and start putting out content. But do you think it's just, I don't know, like it's costly. Like, do you think it's, is this decision, no. was that considered at all? Do you think they considered it? And then they're like, well, financially it doesn't make sense. Like what, what was the reason for not doing it? It's not financially doesn't make sense. I think the zone is really fucking obsessed with celebrity status. And this is why they do those fucking shitty, um, those shitty series featuring um, Draymond Green and all this stuff. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's shitty in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about it's shitty in terms of fan acquisition. It doesn't convert. Mm-hmm. Nobody's watching fucking, you know, these 48-hour, uh, 24-month series with Canelo featuring Draymond Green. Like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? You guys are supposed to be pouring to the younger audience, and yet you're not doing it. And then I find out later that these guys, they're just all about celebrity content. They're mm-hmm. not about the youth at all. They just want to convert. Now, going back to the um, promoter side, because I think that's very important to start talking about. Right. The promoters want to see an ROI. So for them, mm-hmm. it's expensive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I'm pitching the promoter, like, hey, listen, we should really start kicking things into high gear for, for some of your athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, give us your top 10, I say. I say, give me your top 10. Let me show you what I can do with them in 14 months. Um, mm-hmm. And I can start activating brands along the way. Mm-hmm. We can start... Um, coming up with a banking system where we can save up money to produce like a really cool series at the end of the stretch that we can sell to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, it all sounds good to them. Yeah. Like they're all just like, wow, that sounds fucking awesome. How much mm-hmm. is it going to cost me? Mm-hmm. Then you show them the mark and they're like, well, this is not worth it. I'm like, why not? And um, 
this is where they think that they're businessmen. And I don't think that they're acting like proper businessmen. Mm-hmm. These promoters are like, well, I, I need to see some kind of return on investment. I'm like, mm-hmm. your return on your investment is your athlete. Your return on your investment is your fans. Because mm-hmm. these fans, once they start rocking with your athlete and you can start promoting them in local shows, they're going to start showing up to these events. This is long-term thinking, what I'm telling you. This is not a short-term game. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not a stock. We're not buying something that has an immediate ROI can go up and down. This is a rising stock that's inevitably going to a certain future because everybody's going to be on content sooner or later. All sports are going to be streamed sooner or later. So if your athlete does not have a piece of the fucking pie, he's going to lose because fast forward four or five years, fast forward six, seven years, um, when you finally realize it's too late, your athlete is going to come to you and ask you questions as Mm -hmm. to why aren't I fighting? And mm-hmm. you're going to have to tell them it's because you're not popular enough and you can't sell tickets. Well, mm-hmm. Why didn't you make me fucking popular, Mr. Promoter, at right. that time? And these are the questions that these promoters are going to be asked very heavily. And there's going to be a huge shift in the sport where mm-hmm. uh, athletes are going to have to start building their own content. And their name, image, and likeness is going to have to start coming from their own pockets, perhaps, mm-hmm. or maybe from major brands. Now, in order mm-hmm. to get major brands, you need, you, know, you need to be able to sell yourself. And that's where we come in, Break Media Group. So we're activating brands for athletes to get them some side money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're coming up with uh, systems, monetizing systems where we can have in place for them for later because I'm not stupid. You know, I know that they can't afford my bill up top as a filmmaker to produce like a seven-part travel and food series. Mm-hmm. But could your sponsor? Yes, they could. So let's get them on board. And in order to get that kind of money we need to build you first so that takes you know 12 16 18 months once again right. it's a long-term stretch and this is why right. i work with prospects not major contenders mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but do you think you know since promoters are obviously not getting it right now big ones small ones i don't see them either like i don't see them do- making a move on that on that particular you know medium maybe they're not the right people to talk to maybe go to their managers the boxers man- man- boxing managers or go to the boxer right away Uh, I mean, eventually, essentially, everyone is working for the boxer. I mean, boxer is the boss, basically. And and so, the, ultimately, the boxer is the one who can make decisions about his likeness and so on. Is that, yeah. maybe, do you think that's like a better strategy? Just reach out to them directly? Yeah, we've, we've tried that. We've tried that a lot. Um, who's the manager, though? Do you know who these managers are? They're not business people. They're not Ivy League students who graduated fucking Harvard. Right. Well, I would hope so. I would hope the boxer would find someone who is qualified to be to managing and, and not just hiring their, you know, their nephew or their cousin to just, you know, make sure. <laughs> and that yeah. is what's going on. Aziz. Yeah. Like these, um, these Once again, boxers. it's Azizi podcast. My name is Samir Azizi. I'm so sorry, bro. But it's okay. Azizi, no, that's you're that's, that's right. a great example. I got I to work on my branding as well so that, you yeah. know, so, so that, that my guests mean, remember. That's how. waking up too early that's all it is um, <laughs> that's so good no worries man um but yeah yeah sorry it's easy but but so these managers who were um who you're referring to uh were the first point of contact for me in the beginning of my stretch mm-hmm. because um, mm-hmm. you know i thought that the polls were a little bit too tough to get at the time mm-hmm. um so i did i just picked up the phone i started calling the i started finding out where the boxers were mm-hmm. training at i started there called the gyms the gyms would give me the number two Um, oh yeah, yeah. You're talking to that guy. Okay, I know a guy who knows him. And then you eventually get to the hands of the manager. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm the manager. And you're like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Now in my in my head, where I come from, you're the manager, so you're obviously certified, you're mm-hmm. educated, 
Mm-hmm. You understand my world, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm about to close fucking deals left, right, and center because right. I just assume that's what it's I would so think. Easy yeah, to get to the manager of these yeah. high prolific athletes. Wow, cool, awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, awesome. So I start talking to some pretty pretty big athletes managers. I don't mm-hmm. want to drop too many names, but and each one of them over and over again filled filled me completely. They weren't they weren't getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them in particular was asking for a cut just to talk to the athlete. He said what's my cut? And I said, what do you mean? What's your cut? I wasn't, I wasn't getting it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, so I need some money for you. To, if you want to talk to him, I'm not trying to fucking talk. I'm not a fan. Right. I'm trying to build something for you guys. Right. And then he's like, yeah, well, I need some money up first before any of that starts. So I said, okay, well, there's that's that such a BS, man. I didn't expect that. I, I, I thought at least, I mean, I know like in the seventies, eighties, there is some stories about managers and promoters, but I feel like by that, by, t- by today, like people are already, learning to to hire smart people is even whatever wherever you come from but that comes as a surprise to me that management is still such a you know such a shitty territory it's lacking so back so back to what i was saying like that's that was the shady manager and then you have just the other manager who doesn't get it he's Uh like youtube yeah what about youtube man we don't even know youtube we're about to make millions so there's no business acumen there's no that you know and there's a specific fight which uh, breaks my heart. He lost this night, very famous guy. Um, and it was all over like social media. Mm-hmm. I talked to him personally and I said, listen, dude, let me set up your channels. Like you're a champion now, mm-hmm. um, but it's not going to last for long. Mm-hmm. You only got a few thousand followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, the only people who actually know you are hardcore boxing fans who know you're the champ. Your mm-hmm. own city cannot even, doesn't even know your fucking name yet. Let me build that for you. Before your next fight, let's build it. Before your mm-hmm. next fight, let's mm-hmm. build it. He was so cocky in himself that he was going to win that night that he told me, just watch what I do after I win next. I'm never going to need what you're talking about. He lost that night. And ever since then, I've been paying attention to his engagement. Mm-hmm. He's done, even from the hardcore fans. So what makes you think anybody gives a crap about him locally? He made mm-hmm. probably half a million that night. Cool. That's probably the last check you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. And in three to five years, he'll be broke. And he'll be depressed. And he'll be chasing the limelight. And he's probably going to take a last-minute fight that's not going to go his way health wise. Mm. That's the sad end to his story. And so why put yourself through that is my question. Why put yourself through a situation where you're not setting yourself up for the long term? Um, these fights are not forever. Boxing doesn't last forever. But mm-hmm. the way that the industry is headed now, you can start building yourself platforms that can last you a fucking lifetime. And you can actually build systems in place that can help you achieve your personal goals outside of boxing. And mm-hmm. that's something that's very important to me. So let me, let me ask you this. I mean, and, and I don't want to like uh, take out some customers or some clients out of, uh, out of your business, but it's really takes, it doesn't take a lot to start doing this. I mean, it doesn't take a media agency. Of course, you need a media agency to up the production and up the quality. But at the beginning, it's more about that kind of changing of the mindset, right? It's, it's getting out of your shell. Get your freaking yeah. cell phone and start putting out content every yeah. day. Show what you do. Uh, I've been talking to some boxers as well. And I'm like, yo, like, just show what you're cooking, man. You, you like to cook, like post a picture, like stuff like this. So it's, it's, it's mostly like asking boxers themselves you know, just reaching out to like trying to like jump over the management and promotions. Like, Hey, just put out content, just take your cell phone and start recording, start, start recording your training, your your routine, you know, just do the live chat. By the way, did you notice the Cardi B, uh, like her Instagram live lately? It's crazy. She's getting 100,000 freaking live viewers on her Instagram and her content is amazing. Amazing. I mean, I'm not like a fan of her music or whatever, but like, even I see the freaking quality of how like 
engaging she is and like you cannot you just cannot stop watching her and she's just putting out wow. this content while sitting in her kitchen and it's just and she's so yeah. funny man but anyways why can boxers just do that like make it your routine make it your job hey every freaking day at 8 p.m. for 20 minutes, you go on Instagram Live and you just ramble. You just talk about it, do the Q&A thing. And do, so, so that's what I'm trying to like get they're not, at. Is, they're not being, that's a very good question. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, it comes down to education once again. So let's take a look at the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, and the NHL. Mm-hmm. NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB. Yeah. So you got those four major leagues. Think about the process of each league and how the athletes come up through the system, right? First of all, you have to go to school. The start mm-hmm. there. You mm-hmm. have to go to school. So while you're in school, you're already in classes. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, these these uh, college uh, leagues they require a certain level of education to keep playing. Okay, so you're already coming into the mindset of eighty percent or higher, eighty five percent or higher, or I can't fucking play next week. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially if you're trying to play college ball, like football or basketball, bro. Your 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 average has to be fucking high. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's called IQ. The same way that we boast about a ring IQ, these guys actually come from a real IQ mm-hmm. institution. Mm-hmm. But then these organizations, um, they're already building systems in place for the athlete after their career. So while you're in the major leagues, um, and uh, I was working with uh, Vayner Sports athlete mm-hmm. uh, Josh Martin. By the uh, way, huge, year. huge fan of Vayner Media and Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk. And I was so excited to see that you're working with him. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Vayner Sports uh, gig was an eye opening experience for me. I think um, working with them on their project with Josh Martin, um, what just, it gave me more of a dynamic range of what I can offer because uh-huh. up until I met, you know, Gary and AJ and his team, um, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew the sports agency I was trying to create, but I wasn't sure how to execute some of the programs. Um, so working with them, they really kind of showed that to me in terms of this is how you strategize and this is how you execute the programs. And mm-hmm. then we built this series around one of their athletes, Josh Martin, but it was on set with Josh where I really learned about how athletes work from different leagues because up until this point now i'm a boxing fucking guru so i know everything that's happening in our sport so when i took a step back and went to the nfl mode um you know he told me that dude like we're we're like we have to keep a certain average in education throughout our entire career we have agents in place who mm-hmm. constantly remind us to do social to mm-hmm. get with our communities to do community outreach to do charity outreaches and to stay on top of training and all that's, that that's perfect career. that's what boxers need yeah. So when I started realizing that, oh, so it's actually like a sports agent that need that that boxers need more than ever. It's not so much a manager who manages your deals and your mm-hmm. payments. It's not so much your boxing trainer who shows you how to throw your mitts. It's well, not so much a promoter who just so he, promotes he, you during fight week. Here's the thing, though, you right? Well, huh? here's the thing. Like, why why does the agent do it, right? Because the agent gets the cut of any sort of a business deal, as far as I understand. So getting your brand out there and increasing the attention and the outreach gets you in sponsorship deals and, and the agent gets on that sponsorship deal as well. So it's a win-win situation and that's what exactly yeah. they, what, what they do. And that's what boxers don't understand or maybe the deal is not worked out that way where it should be on, in everyone's interest to do it. Yeah, no, I th- and that's why um, it's a marathon, not a race mentality for me and what I'm doing at Break Media. I understand that we are very early in the game but I also understand that we're going to be the last one standing because I know for sure that one way or another, boxers are going to start knocking on our doors, right? Mm-hmm. So right now we're the loud ones. I understand I'm obnoxious as fuck on Twitter. <laughs> I understand that I make a lot of noise, 
I understand that I may not be likable to a lot of promoters and managers. I don't think you're obnoxious enough. You should like turn it up a little bit. Let's yeah. let's break it. Yeah. No, I was thinking about my personal PR for the last couple of months in terms of how I wanted to come into this space. And it was being a little bit of loud mouth because I needed to be. Yeah. Um, but now that I got a little bit of attention, I think <laughs> it's time to educate now. Um, That's a good idea. Yeah. I'm done with the bantering. I'm done with the barking. I did all that. Um, mm -hmm. So and that was the reason why I'm here now because I barked my way up. Mm -hmm. um, but now that I'm here, it's time to convert. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is time to educate now. And this is why you'll see me sharing a lot more uh, wholesome content about the game. Because at the end of the day, I do this for the love of the game and the love of our athletes. Now, um, as a hardcore fan, like there's nothing more you want to see than an athlete succeed, right? And then now if you can be responsible for it, I mean, that's a whole other feeling. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but speaking, going back to what you were saying about sponsors and brands and, and stuff like that, um, another case study that we did, I don't know if you know about this, was um, we activated boxing's first ever Pizza Hut deal. Oh, wow. Tell me more about it. Didn't know yeah, about it. So it was with um, Money Powell um, from Atlanta, uh, Southern fighter. Um, he's 10 and 1. Fucking gorgeous knockout power. Uh, he fought on PBC on Fox. But the funny part was how I came across him was we saw two of his post-fight interviews that were trending online. And he kept saying, shout out to Pizza Hut, shout out to Pizza Hut. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? Like, he's so, like he was really like sparky. And I'm like, I'm like okay, this guy wants the Pizza Hut too. I'm going to get it for him. Uh -huh. so I DM'd him and he immediately replied after his fight because I wrote in the cap the um, subject line, you want Pizza Hut? And that's all I could fit. <laughs> uh -huh. And then he, he DM'd me right back and he's like, yo, like, is this for real? I said, it can be for real. And then I said, sign with me. And so he signed with me. And, um, yeah, within like a couple of weeks, uh, after some hunting, after some head hunting, mm -hmm. the PR rep for Pizza Hut and they ended up cracking the deal with us, um, for sponsoring Money Powell. And we have two, um, pieces of original content that we did with Pizza Hut and mm -hmm. that series is expected to grow, um, hopefully after the virus is done. Mm -hmm. We had something planned actually before the virus hit with them, but that mm -hmm. didn't go through. But that was boxing. Like, when was the last time you saw a franchise like that sponsor a boxer? Tell me that. I know, when man. Was the last and time 7-Up, Pizza Hut, McDonald's, Burger King? Name me at least five fucking boxers who got that done. Well, the one I know is Triple G with Jordan. That was a pretty sweet deal. No, no, Triple G. I'm talking about American boxing. Triple G's yeah. wicked. Canelo, wicked. AJ, wicked. Name me an American boxer. So let me, let me ask you this. Remember uh, Andy Ruiz and his Snickers deal? Like yeah. that he loved Snickers and he has like a sneaker banner on, on his Twitter. Yeah. How yeah. come Snickers never picked it up? Why, why, what do so you look, think is happening I, I was in touch with Andy's team. Not a lot of people know this. I was in touch with Andy and Frank, um, his manager there. Uh, we were going after the Snickers deal ourselves for him. Um, and what happened was um, the deal didn't pan out uh, because they inevitably thought that Snickers would do it for them. Uh, and which they kind of did. I saw what happened afterwards. I saw that Snickers gave them a belt or something. Mm. Um, but I was thinking, why didn't you just do it through us? I would have got you an actual sponsorship deal with Snickers. Mm -hmm. Once again, it comes down to bad management, man. And this is I not, know they were not prepared for this. I still love you, bro. Like we had a wicked conversation, whatever. But um, you know that Snickers um, sponsorship could have been huge. It could have mm -hmm. been very big for Andy. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's a slip and fall on their part at all. So this is not a knock on them. His, mm -hmm. his manager at the time I was speaking to, I think he had good intentions. It's just mm -hmm. that he probably thought he could do it on his own. Um, right. And then he let social media just do the job for him. His sticker just ended up, I mean, when, you, when you're when at that level where you're tweeted about so much, 
and, mm-hmm. and your fans are adding Snickers, eventually they're going to do something for you. Anyway. I know, but what exactly did they do? I don't, I don't even know that. They did just sent get... them a belt that said, welcome to Snickers. Yeah, but what does that mean? Like, was, did they get like it a wasn't, It wasn't commercial? compensation. It wasn't okay. compensation. Yeah. Or, or maybe, I mean, I don't know. But it does, it's not, those types of sponsored deals are not usually compensated. Uh, because yeah. they, he wasn't featured in any Snickers ad after that. He wasn't featured in any social media campaign with them. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's totally, just once again, the lack of education on these managers and, and, uh, and their teams who just kind of lack that knowledge in terms of, mm-hmm. yo, how do I leverage this deal now? You know? And honestly, I'm disappointed in Snickers too that they did not, because I, I'm, I don't know. I, I would hope to, to, to think that they, they actually did some research. They, they did some analysis and came to conclusion, you know, not to go with the deal or something like that. But I hope they at least thought about it because if they didn't, like, I, I don't know what is their PR or, you know, marketing team think about it. So. Now, once again, I mean, I know there's somebody watching right now looking at me saying, do you think he gives a fuck? He just made $25 million, right? And it's true. Like, yeah, at that level, you don't necessarily have to give a shit because you're making that kind of money. But I'm talking about these young guns coming up, man. Like mm-hmm. Snickers could sponsor an athlete. Any one of my athletes are Snickers worthy. Any one of my athletes are Burger King, McDonald's, Pizza Hut, as I mentioned, already did. Mm-hmm. Worthy. Um, and these guys are not making money. Like these guys are making $5,000, $10,000, $15,000 a night. You're telling me a sponsorship worth 25 grand is going to help them? Mm-hmm. Of course it's going to help them, right? So um, that's what we do. And then we use part of that money to build content for them. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win. And then the whole goal is you're 21 years old. You're five and zero. by the time you're 12, 15 and zero, you're going to have over a hundred brand deals underneath your belt. Uh, exactly. Cause you will have a belt um, and you're going to be a prize fighter and you're going to build an audience along the way. So that when, when and if the time does come with this whole boxing game changes and which I think it's going to, the way I think it's going to change, mm-hmm. um, these fans are going to be the only thing that you wished you had back then and, and mm-hmm. now. And so we're building that for you. And the whole uh, idea with brand sponsorships, no matter how no matter how big or small they are, ultimately, it's a building of a reputation, in my opinion. You know, if you get yeah. something lower, you you get up. It's like with my podcast right now. I'm getting yeah. more and more guests, and uh, every day my guests are more high profile because of the previous guests. They see that they can trust me, and they I can talk to. Them. So it's it's I'm building my own brand just like that, just building yeah. it up. And uh, and I feel like. I don't know. I, I completely understand the boxers mentality. Well, not completely, but I can see, you know, they are athletes. They, what they think about, they live and die in the gym and they just train, 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 train. So I really don't expect, you know, it would be awesome if a boxer would have like a business acumen and mentality like Floyd Mayweather, for example. I, yeah. I don't, I don't blame the um, boxer at all. I feel so mm-hmm. sorry for the boxer at times. Mm-hmm. I, like, I'm not, I don't feel sorry for the ones who are milking millions because those guys, whatever, God bless you. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for the ones who are coming up and they see what's going on. Like they're coming up and they're like, TikTok's cool, right? Like I see my friends on it, but I don't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. Instagram TV is cool, man. But, yo, I follow these YouTubers like Virgil Ortiz. He's a gamer. Right, right. His management should wake the fuck up and put him on Twitch. And I've tweeted this. Absolutely. So 100%. He's a fucking good looking kid. He's a gamer. He can build a hundred thousand, like hundred thousand plus audience just on Twitch. And the yeah, week man. of his fight, he can come and play with them. Like, By the way, guys, don't forget to watch my fight this weekend for twenty bucks on DAZN. Mm-hmm. Half of those guys are gonna fucking buy that fight. Are you kidding me? And it's yeah. like these guys won't think like that. They're just like, mm, whatever. Let's just uh, keep keep it going, keep it chugging. And it's like you're not giving a shit about your athlete at this point. You're not. Like you're relying on the funds from DAZN more than you are about uh, about your athlete's mind and what he's capable of doing. And you cannot rely on fighting for your money. Mm-hmm. It's eventually going to kick you in the ass, pun intended. You're going to get knocked out. <laughs> your bolts are going to go one day. Everything's going to stop one day. And then you're going to be 
left with your dick in your hand wondering what happened to your life. Do you think boxers should, you know, the upcoming coming or their promoters or managers have a budget for buying actual media? You know, Facebook, Instagram, just actually paying for ads over their fights. Do they have to... Again, we- you cut out there. What did you say? Do you think the boxers should buy media? Do you hear me well? Do you think the boxers should buy media? Yeah. Do you hear me well right now? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Uh, yes. So media buying, right? So you're buying ads on Facebook. You're buying ads on Instagram about yourself, about your fights, promoting yourself that way. Um, you're talking about from a boxer's perspective, right? So like there is one thing where by you're by, you just, uh, putting out content, right. And you're trying to get viral, right. Yeah. But there, another one is artificially, let's just buy a bunch of ads on Facebook about my upcoming fight at the club show. They're doing that anyway. Yeah, well, do they? Anyway. I don't know. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, paid media is big in boxing. Do you um, think it's a? Do you think it pays out? I mean, who's on Facebook nowadays? Um, but I get it. Facebook is larger than Facebook. They can pixel you and track you on different websites and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Promoters are currently doing this. They do promote through Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, they're not. I mean, it's not the current trend though. So why are you doing Facebook? Is my question. Like, well, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, like you know. I'm, I'm just saying social trend. media in general, TikTok, for example. Yeah, but like Facebook ads, when you, here's the thing with today's audience. Okay. And this is because I've come through the whole uh, pipeline you're speaking. Of. I mean, I started in TV, went digital, went mobile. I did the whole Facebook dog post thing. Uh, I did the whole marketing through Facebook, I did social media ad placements. And then I came out that mm-hmm. the other end from where I'm at now. That whole spiel in the middle there that I was talking about, uh, customers and consumers are a lot more smarter than they used to be. And when mm-hmm. they think they're being told something, they usually press X or skip or just swipe. So mm-hmm. you don't want to package something that the consumer thinks they're being sold on. Rather, mm-hmm. you want to give them something to be entertained with to get invested in emotionally. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I talk about very highly. Um, if you can emotionally get to your fan, he's going to uh, financially invest in you. Uh, How's that? How do you tap into that emotion? by providing them with a certain level of content that they want to keep coming back to. How do you think the YouTubers are doing it every week? When mm-hmm. you got the likes of like PewDiePie and like um, Ninja Gamer, mm-hmm. who they don't, they don't just play games for a new audience every weekend. It's not like a million people invested every week are new and a million mm-hmm. people leave. It's the same people coming back for more. And it's not because they're amazing gamers that they're learning tips. It's because they're emotionally invested with this guy now. Because mm-hmm. through, this, through these games, through PewDiePie, for example, and I'm only naming two of the top because I, they're like something worthy, noteworthy. Yeah, I feel like you, you just picked like the, the cream of the crop, PewDiePie with, with his 100 million subscribers. Like, yeah. I picked the cream of the crop for a reason because they built the audience <laughs> over the course of a decade and they all started right. at zero. Right, right, right. And it's not like they're building million plus new audience every week. It's the same guys coming back because they like him. They like I him. like him. I watch him sometimes. <laughs> right? Um, and, and if you don't want to go there, we can go, we can go something lower. We can go to the Logan Pauls and Jake Pauls because they kind of match with our fighters. Not too low, a little lower would be better <laughs> for an example. But, uh, but you know, it's a perfect example of just audience oh, yeah. positioning. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. absolutely. I, I get what you're saying. That's why the sub count that they did for DAZN. Um, so for our fighters to emotionally engage their audiences, it's important to, for them to start showing their inner self more. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if our fighters can start showing, like you said, uh, like you said, you convinced one of your fighters recently. Um, uh, to start cooking on his IG. If you can start showing these athletes that it's okay to be vulnerable with your audience. Exactly. Okay know that you're into fashion, bro. A lot it's of them okay are introverts. 
That's yeah. the point. Like that's yeah. the where like someone needs to help them out. And I'm I would assume that would be a manager because I think manager would be the closest one, closer than promoter. But I don't no, see it's that. Us. It's us. And I that's know. what that's going to happen. It's us. We're going to. That's the noise that I'm making now. Uh, I want to just. I'm not trying to boot out the manager. I'm just trying to be an addition, additional support to the manager, uh, because it's okay if you don't know your shit. It's okay to outsource this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to take time for this whole thing to kind of convert, though, from my end. Uh, and I understand that, that very well. Um, uh, so when people look at me and say, you know, like you're in a more, I get a lot of people DM me, man, say, yo, you're in the wrong fucking game, bro. With your mindset, you should be in the NBA, you should be in the NFL, you should be in the MLB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can totally do that. I got friends in NFL. I got friends in NBA. I mean, I got mm-hmm. friends with the Toronto Raptors here at home. You don't mm-hmm. think I can make a phone call? Of course I could. But for me, it's like I love challenges. That's always been my, my game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to prove people wrong, and I always wanted to come into a market that was untapped. I did it in filmmaking uh, by being one of the first ever filmmakers to start converting to DSLRs. Um, at the time, DSLRs, I know I'm going back and forth here, but that's all right. I'm when I was coming up, you know, these digital film cameras, they weren't even known back then. Mm-hmm. I was one of the first users. And what happened through that was I ended up becoming a Canon cinema brand ambassador because I took that risk in changing That's my awesome. setup to digital. Um, and Canon made me one of their ambassadors in 2012. And I started getting, you know, like really, really great equipment from them on the house. Mm-hmm. But it comes back to this. Now I'm in boxing. It's a new challenge. It's untapped. Nobody's here. And if somebody wants to come play, you're welcome to. Uh, I always like competition. But we're here to change the game forever. And that's my goal. You know, I feel like, and that's amazing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped by just hearing you speak. And I feel like you can convince so many people, you know, to get on board. And I really, I, I hope that you will. And I, just, I was just thinking about that. Like, I was, at first I was thinking to tell you, like, you know what I think? I think every boxer should wake up at four in the morning and watch like one hour of Gary Vee to, to talk yeah. about content. But now I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. you know, scratch that. I want them to wake up every morning and watch one hour of you talking about this shit. And you, uh, that, that. that would be, that would be amazing. So I, I really hope, and, and we're not finishing yet. I just want I want to ask you a couple more that questions. Was a, that was an awesome compliment, man. I appreciate that. And, and the reason I appreciate that notion is because, um, you know, like I said, uh, Gary and his brother, AJ, and what they've built on their own, just two brothers really is inspiring. They weren't gold fed. They weren't spoon fed. Um, what they've done for themselves and their agency over there, what they've, the model that they've built of content strategy uh, and marketing has completely changed the landscape. Like they got people down on wall street and Manhattan Ave scared of them. And these are just two fucking Russian kids. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, it's like, they're scared of them. Like you got, you're talking about digital advertising execs. So that mentality I'm bringing into boxing, I want people fucking shit scared of me in the industry. I want people shaking in their boots. And if you're not scared now, you will be eventually. So here's a case for you, right? Because what I'm seeing right now in boxing, a lot of people are following Triple G's footsteps and they're coming yeah. abroad. You know, a lot of promoters and managers are, are getting those talented kids from Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and Russia and they're bringing them to Canada or to the United States uh, in hopes that they can, you know, repeat Triple G's success. Mm-hmm. But the problem always that I'm, I'm seeing here, and, and it's not only the Eastern European guys, it's, it's, always the, it's also the, you know, any kind of non-English yeah. speakers. Yeah, and obviously, because they don't speak the language, and I'm talking like they don't speak it at all, they will tell you if they will say five words in a row in English, that would be a huge success for everyone who, <laughs> yeah. anyone who okay. interviews. I'm, I'm saying that as, a, as an interpreter as well. But uh, what, how, and, and, and that's kind of like my, um, 
issue. Like it's, it's not my, but it's like a, a challenge, right? So how do you promote a guy like that? You know, he doesn't speak English. Like obviously, you know, you need to tell him like learn English, learn English, but like, okay, let's say he doesn't speak it. What do you do? How do you do it without the speech? How do you promote someone? And that's what I'm always like thinking about. Yeah, that's a good question. And Triple G set the, um, the open lane for that because Triple G, in my opinion, is one of the most lucrative athletes outside of U.S. who people still consider American boxer. Because I put right. out a tweet recently about Triple G. Um, no, actually, I put out a tweet with the, of a question that said, you know, when was the last time an athlete got sponsored? And somebody said, well, Triple G. It's funny, you said the same thing today too. But um, I said, yeah, but Triple G, are you, do you consider him an American? And the guy responded, oh, yeah, that's right, he's not. But I'm like, that's really interesting how his first thought was to put G was American, right? So that's does, your answer right does, there. Does and that apply? G, I mean, do you think Jordan discriminates between American I and think, non-American? Yeah, I think Americans are very patriotic. So you got to bring your athlete here and Americanize them. And that's what they did with Triple G. And that's why he was able to get strike the brand deals that he did with Apple Music. Uh, with um, He did one with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Then he did a third one. I can't, get, I can't get my hands on it. He has three major brand deals, though. And it was really so, big stuff. And, and, and again, so, you know, whatever he did was, like, a genius. And it was, it, was, it was amazing in terms of success. But what about these new guys? You know, the new ones that are coming, on, coming in here. Because Triple G was Follow his own. Follow the footsteps anymore. Follow the footsteps anymore. If you're a champion in Russia right now, if you're a champion in Ukraine right now, and you know a little bit of English, pack your bags, come to America, start mm-hmm. fighting here, but learn the language and learn the system here. Uh, mm-hmm. because Americans are only going to get behind you when they feel like you're converting to one of them. If mm-hmm. they feel like you're just here for a cash grab, they won't respect you as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why Canelo is interesting. Canelo is very interesting because people are complaining that this asshole knows English and he doesn't speak it. And that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest pet peeves about boxers. That it's like, yo, I know this guy speaks English. Why does he ever talk English? Because Canelo's not comfortable. But mm-hmm. um, it's his superstar status in the ring that kind of over over uh, plays his his non-speaking english but not everybody here's the be thing canelo. here's the thing it's it's weird it's a weird case with canelo yes in boxing he's a superstar but is he you know there was this meme about karen you know who is karen she's the girl who calls the manager at the grocery shop right the the, the average american and i think you were talking okay. about the average yeah. field yeah right do you think karen knows about canelo or do you think karen knows about conor mcgregor you know, of course she knows Conor McGregor, I would assume so. There's a higher possibility that she knows about Conor McGregor than she knows about Canelo, but Canelo is getting paid maybe fivefold what Conor McGregor gets paid for his fight. So Karen doesn't know her, but Marcella does. Marcella is a South American, right? So Karen might not know her, but right. everybody in South America knows Canelo. And that's Yeah, well South South America doesn't pay. Yeah, but, you know, um, I understand the Mexican audience, the 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 Latin American audience, audience in the United Latin States. Yeah, they're they're getting that pay per view money. But is he an actual superstar in America in the mainstream media? Is he a superstar on no. CNN, on Fox, or whatever the ABC? No, he's only big in Mexico. And when I talk about Canelo, if you see, if you go back to any of my tweets about him, because I really mm-hmm. do um, uh, put him up there, it's because he's able to have a country behind him. If you can have your own country behind you. Mm-hmm. that's what matters at that point because those are your audiences and this is why Canelo is so huge other than his record mm-hmm. right, and his good looks and his charm he has mm-hmm. a country behind him this is what America has filled at ever since Muhammad Ali Sugar Ray Leonard Joe Lewis mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. we have not had a boxer that America gets behind Deontay Wilder had his fucking chance mm-hmm. but his handlers failed him and I can say that publicly 
Mm-hmm. Deontay Wilder's handlers have constantly failed him over, over, and over again. And I've been saying that for five fucking years now. What do you think they why should have done differently? Why hasn't he ever done any brand deal? I mean, I, I always talk about Deontay, so I'm not going to do it this time. But it's like, and it's not just brand deals. He's never acquired an audience for himself. He's never been featured in any cross-promotion, cool YouTube videos with like Kevin Hart, skydiving with Casey Neistat and shit. Like, he could have done so much mm-hmm. digitally to acquire at least a chunk of the audience who's mm-hmm. still going to rock with him. Because hardcore fans, we forgot him. Right? Mm-hmm. You know how hardcores are. Once you lose, yeah, you're out. Mm-hmm. But other than the small, maybe like hardcore, hardcore fans at PBC are still going to root for him. Mm-hmm. But the mass majority of hardcore fans are done with Deontay. Are they not? See, I, I, see, I, I think about differently. I think hardcores will remember Deontay, but the casual fans will forget him really quickly. And same with the same with the general American audience. I feel like they don't know about Canelo. They know, you know, maybe maybe your uh, Hispanic friend whose dad is in boxing. You know, he he would be into it. But my point about speaking about Canelo is that Canelo's promotion again is totally based on the country behind him, and that's and that's paying out well. Um, and that's what I mean. So we have but, we need but, our athletes to, but, to have our country support. But here's the thing: to do that. And like, and this is why I'm so passionate about talking about Deontay. A lot of people think I hate him or something. It's not that I hate the guy. I, I'm a huge fan of it. I was one of the first people to tweet when Deontay uh, got his WBC belt from uh, Bermain to Verne, right? So mm-hmm. that was the night that I, was, I fell in love with Deontay. I said, man, I'm going to get behind this guy because America finally got the heavyweight champion back after like at that time, I think it was like 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it was. Um, but um, and my, now my- we're talking about we're talking about people being patriotic about your athlete. He never, he never stood a chance with that because the handlers never put him anywhere. And so, yeah, during the Super Bowl, they put him into this dance competition or whatever it was called, but it's like, it's not going to work. My point with Canelo is that he's leaving money on the table by not catering to the average Americans, uh, yeah. non, non-Spanish speakers. That's, that's the thing. Like, even if he is speaking English, he doesn't have to speak at all the time. But he's really, his team is not focusing on, on basically getting him into the mainstream media. Like, for, for, do you know how many Hispanics there is that, that don't speak Spanish and they only associate Canelo with, uh, with themselves because, you know, they're that into boxing? That's, that's yeah. the point where I was like, well, you're literally leaving money on the table. You can just, you know, do something in English and, and get on that, you know, little soundbite on CNN, on Morning America, or something like that. And that would bring you so much more viewership. You know, everyone's going to be like, who is this red-haired? You know how many people don't know about this, you know, little red-haired guy? And all of a sudden, they will realize him and like, they want to check him out. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're leaving that well, on the I table. Think, yeah, let me, let me better answer your question because um, I'm recalling your original question now, which is very really important. How do you get somebody from outside of U.S. to retain an audience? Is that mm-hmm. it? Like, somebody yeah. doesn't speak English good? Yeah. Uh, bring your audience from back home with you. That's what it is. So if you can... Well, that depends on the home, right? Uh, yeah, we have Mexican-Americans. Ukraine, Russia, Quebecistan. I mean, all these countries are still... They, they still relatively have a community there. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like Pakistan, for example. I'm, I'm originally from Toronto. My parents are obviously Pakistani. Um, we have a huge sports craze there. You know, mm-hmm. like we're all about like... We're all about who's outside of our country doing good and who can we mm-hmm. get behind, right? And I think every immigration country that, you know, like you and I, our parents are from, we do have that from back home, that we have family, cousins, and, um, and relatives who want to see how is Azizi doing in Toronto? How is, you know, Jay mm-hmm. doing in Canada? Mm-hmm. When they hear that we're doing successful, they get behind us. So with these athletes coming from overseas, it's important for them to start building their communities there. Mm-hmm. With the same thing I'm talking about, with the same content, with the right. same series look, you can still get together a team to kind of do that. And as you're building your rankings there, um, you can start building that 
for yourself in, in America. Mm -hmm. I mean, sorry, you can bring that audience and system that you built to America once mm -hmm. you get that American prize fight. And it's the same, yeah. it's the same system everywhere you are. And Gary Vee talks about that a lot. It doesn't matter which country you're from, mm -hmm. uh, everybody's currently on an iPhone 5 or higher. And right, that's all you right. Do. Right, and I, and, I, and I see that as well. I'm just thinking whether i'm just thinking about angles you know how else can you do it but again that's exactly what you will be you know, what that what you are getting paid for is actually you know promote the fighter and, and think about those angles because yeah. you cannot just think about them right like that on the spot and this no. is where you have to invest in it uh invest yeah. in right you know uh, yeah. agency so i just right. recently saw that you produce cynthia conte's uh podcast 88 and hustle was the episode with bob arum how did that come about uh, man, that was a, that's a really cool story, man. So I actually put out a tweet um, that said, uh, because obviously we're living in some crazy times and I understand that there's a lot of people who wanted to do something. Maybe they can't get off their feet. Yeah. So I tweeted out, I'm prepared to offer my services at free of cost. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was awesome. Yeah. So I said, you know what? Whoever's serious, get in touch with me. I'm going to help set up your first podcast, your first YouTube channel, your uh -huh. first whatever you want to do. Just tell me, I'll do it for you, free. Mm -hmm. and I, mm -hmm. Let me see who, Let me see what happens. I ended up getting like 10, 12 DMs from some people. Um, and then um, half of them were kind of just like, they wanted to kind of find out my process. So they took it and left. And I said, okay, that's fine. Uh, and then a few of them uh, didn't commit, right? So that was interesting to see. They're like, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'll give mm -hmm. me a call Monday. I'm going to call you Monday, Jay. And mm -hmm. then Monday came and went, they never called. Mm -hmm. But then there was three who contacted me, um, who actually went through with the entire system. And that was Cynthia Conte, Fernando from FitWarrior, and YourVisa.ca, which is an online immigration from shout out to YourVisa.ca. Um, <laughs> and I helped each one of them create their own podcast. Fernando was a YouTube channel. Um, Cynthia Conte wanted to do a podcast and sort of YourVisa. And we set up both of them for Anchor Podcasts. And we, we gave mm -hmm. them the blueprint. I showed them how they can make money in the long run. Mm -hmm. I gave him all the technical details, all that. I mean, I can get into all that. Uh, but Cynthia was someone who I was just like really excited about because I'm like, man, like you could really like just hearing her sound on the voice. I'm like, you're a radio girl. Like, you know, Cynthia, yeah. she has like, a radio personality. Yeah, she's a, she, she's a boxing announcer. She is uh, basically, yeah. you know, has her own YouTube channel interviews. She has interviews with all the best, biggest boxing stars. I mean, she is in the business. For sure. Yeah, dude, she's really cool. You know what? You know what? Like, she's really super friendly. She's super sparky and she's like, she's bubbly and she's fun. And you know what yeah. I mean? And so when I, when I was talking to her, I said, yo, like, you could totally take over this radio game in, in boxing because as you move to an audio oriented um, uh, audience, like I think mm -hmm. your voice could kind of come up above over anybody else. And she's like, yeah, I totally agree. So she had the idea. She already had uh, the concept in mind of what she wanted the podcast to look like. And I really did. My work was easy because Cynthia knew what she wanted to do from the beginning. Uh, I would just the one to kind of like put it together in a picture for her and let her know that this is the system you need for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and but then when I found out that she was having Bob as her first guest, I said, fuck, I'm going to produce the video <laughs> first episode. So she's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, let's just fucking do it. And then uh -huh. so um, I co-produced the 88th and Hustle um, episode with her, which is a huge success. We had over like 2,500 original viewers on the first night. And That's amazing. It doesn't That's sound like big because you're used to hearing, we're so used to hearing numbers like, oh, like trust me, for a podcaster, like I know the numbers, this is freaking huge. <laughs> 2,500 people yeah. listening to you is a big deal in boxing. Yeah, it's a big deal. Very big deal in boxing. 
Um, so we were very excited to find out those numbers. Um, and um, I wish her the best, man. Shout out to, shout out to Cynthia Conte. Um, mm -hmm. Keep it up. Awesome, man. So tell me about your current projects and what are you, you going to do once the whole uh, craziness is going to be over around here? And uh, what are you working on and what are you hoping to achieve in the nearest future? Currently, I'm working on um, just signing as many um, new faces as I can to the agency. Um, we're celebrating our second year anniversary today, actually. Um, and um, so for me, it's, it's very important for me to look back and figure out what I can do differently moving forward in terms of what I was trying to do that didn't work. Um, so it's all trial and error. When you're running a startup, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like cutting glass to finger. You know what I mean? Like you, you bleed a lot. <laughs> never never like, heard about that phrase, but that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it, you bleed a lot and it's slow and it hurts. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, um, it's, a, it's not a draining process at all, but for me, it's just very important to kind of figure out where break media stands in the space of boxing and how mm -hmm. we can further advance our partnerships with current managers, promoters, networks, execs, boxers, and, and people alike. Um, mm. I do have some personal projects on the go, such as Boxing Moms with Michelle Rosado. Uh, that is expected to um, obviously release sometime soon, season two, after we figure out who our distribution partner would be. Mm -hmm. We're in talks with a few networks and platforms right now. Yeah, man, but that's uh, that's exciting. I really, I'm, ex I'm excited to see where you're going to end up, but I, I'm already seeing this energy and I'm, I'm just so excited for you. And I'm so excited that you're here in town and I'm, you know, usually I would meet with my guests, would had some lunch, you know, had some coffee and, you know, went for drinks afterwards. So I'm hoping once the whole thing is over, we can meet up and just talk boxing, talk marketing. I, 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 would, I would love that. And that would be, that would be amazing. Yeah, dude, for sure. I think uh, you and I should definitely connect in Toronto when this is all over. Who knows when this is going to be over? Yeah, 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 for sure, man. How can people reach you? How can they find you? Uh, just online, man. I mean, you know, I'm easy to find. Um, producer underscore JC. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Breakmediagroup.com is the website uh, for anybody looking to uh, learn more about the agency and what we're creating in the space of sports, in particular boxing. But um, I think it's very important now more than ever for people to uh, entertain their fans. That's all it comes down to. You're doing it. I love your stuff, bro. Um, congratulations Thanks, on your podcast. And there's a lot of people like you, like Cynthia, who are just looking for their voice to be heard right now. So if, you know, if you could do it, Cynthia can do it. Why can't a superstar athlete? Can Absolutely. I agree. Hey, and the last question. In this era of lack of barbershops and low access to barbers themselves, how do you keep your hair so flawless? Oh, my God. You know what it is, Is easy. I was lucky enough to train myself on how to cut my hair. So for anybody out there who's watching, go to your local drug mart, pick up a trimmer, use the number two, and just go all around the sides of your head to the back, and you'll be set. And just keep the top nice and flimsy. And then there you have it. Barber Tips by JC. That's awesome, man. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much for coming on the Athka podcast. I'm so, so excited to post this. I'm going to be working on this and, and editing. And uh, uh, But yeah, I hope you will join me again sometime and we can talk more about it. I feel like this is an important stuff. Thanks so much for having me, man. And good luck to you. Yeah, no problem, man. All righty. Take care. All right.